This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather round the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Cagina is my technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer. And yes, we are live streaming on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, the emerging science of magnetobiology, 5G, low oxygen, uh, uh, low oxygen intake, rather, and a certain virus. Is there a connection? Now, I know the very idea that there might be a connection between 5G and COVID has been widely ridiculed by the media, uh, but I'd like to know more. Just because the media piles on and says, this is ridiculous, that's not good enough for me. Maybe the whole idea is preposterous, maybe. But just maybe there's more to the story. Let's find out. At least for right now, we're still allowed to ask questions, right? And to push back tomorrow, who knows? And that's not hyperbole, friends. So we're going to talk about it for the next two hours. And uh, I will do my level best to carve out some time in the second hour for your questions and comments. You know, whenever the media says, this is ridiculous, it's preposterous, it's a conspiracy theory, don't talk about it, it just makes me want to double down and talk about it all the more, or at least find out about it. I don't know about you, but I like to, I like to gather the facts, the data, and decide these things for myself. So that's what we're going to try and do. Joseph A. Olson is a founding member of Principia Scientific International, which provides educational resources freely in the fields of scientific inquiry. He's a retired engineer, an impassioned science writer, and respected innovative thinker with over 100 major civil engineering and climate-related articles to his name. Joseph is also co-author of Slaying the Dragon, Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory, the world's first full-volume debunk of the greenhouse gas theory. Joseph Olson, welcome aboard. How are you? Oh, bonsoir, I love <laughs> insomnia radio. Where else can you talk to a million people in their pajamas? 
It's true. It's true. I'm in mine. Tonight's going to be a real test if I'm able to do a proper amount of self-medication with Twinkies and Red Bull to overcome my amnesia, Alzheimer's, <laughs> dementia, dyslexia, and senility. So we'll find out. All right. Let's fly it up the flagpole and see what happens. First of all, we've reached you in Austin, <laughs> Texas. Uh, tell me about uh, your, your attending a conference. You were speaking there this afternoon, the uh, Austin Truth Seekers. Tell me about that. Well, it's been a real interesting week. Um, uh, there's a guy that has a program on uh, Blaze Radio with Glenn Black uh, named Chad Prather, and he's been yakking about going on. Hello. Yes, I'm here. Okay. I'm hearing you. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been uh, been threatening to run for governor, and so he did a, a concert last weekend in in an area north of Houston. So I attended that concert. And then I attended a uh, Yellow Rose of Texas um, women's GOP uh, fundraiser. They were celebrating the 100th anniversary of um, um, suffrage for women. The 20th mm-hmm. Amendment was passed on August 18th in uh, 1920. So they were doing that. And there was a lot of uh, dissatisfaction with our Republican governor and with our Republican president from GOP grassroots. And then I went to a um, organization rally for a guy that's running for the House, Texas House, and there was an equal amount of dissatisfaction. And then by coincidence, I went to a club uh, in a small town north of Austin that had been on the news for allowing veterans of Korea and World War II to sing the national anthem after receiving honors from their county. And that was pretty offensive. So they said, well, come up on Friday night. We're having a um, the the county MAGA group is having a rally. And so I went, and um, lo and behold, one of the speakers was a former U.S. Congressman Colonel Allen West, who had also spoke at the Texas uh, Open Texas rally with uh, Shelley Luther. He got thrown in jail for cutting hair two days early. Um, right. And then he also spoke at an Oath Keepers rally. So I've been going to a lot of rallies. I'm writing uh, a lot of my stuff is Texas-based just because, like I mentioned in one of my articles, Texas has a population of over 29 million, a gross uh, national, uh, domestic product of $1.8 trillion. Measured alone, it's the 10th largest economy in the world. The problem is 194 nations signed off on this pandemic, and they are all in lockstep, exactly like they said in the Event 201. And the Event 201 is just... <laughs> scratching the surface. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Aaron and Melissa Dykes. Truth no, Stream I'm not. Media. No, I'm not. Oh, Truthstream Media? They, uh, they used to work for Alex Jones, and then they broke off on their own, and it's a husband and wife team, and they do documentary videos, and they're great. Uh, they did one called Minds of Men, which was uh, one best documentary at a bunch of different film festivals. It's a hour and a half, two hours long. They did a, a program back in, I think it was uh, 2015, called um, NASA's Future Strategic Issues Conference. And their, their title was uh, NASA's Future War 2025 is here already. This is a conference that NASA had in 2001 where they said that in order to make a continuity of government work, they were going to have to use trauma-based mind control on a population. And lo and behold, that's this is July of 2001, and then this is NASA, a NASA conference where this was said. Yes, yes, I'll, I'll send you the article. You'll flip. Okay, 
then they had uh, Rockefeller-funded bio-warfare bio games, uh, which you've probably heard of, Operation Dark Winter in June of yes. 2001, Scenarios for Future Technology in 2010, uh, Claude X pandemic simulation in 2018, and then the event 201 that everybody heard about in 2019. Right. This was the tabletop scenario they did uh, with Johns right. Hopkins and some UN agency, the Bill and Melinda Gates and, Foundation, where they were supposedly right, anticipating right. a pandemic and how they would respond. And then lo and behold, uh, oh, there and, it is and, like and a month later. they gotten bold enough to call it the coronavirus in October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, let, let's uh, let's delve into, first of all, I want to ask you about Principia Scientific uh, International. Okay. Tell yeah. me about this uh, organization. Um, we off the book, Slaying the Sky Dragon, and uh, we were banned by some of the popular <laughs> uh, skeptic websites. And I attended the Heartland Convention out in Las Vegas in 2014 and the uh, Heritage Summit, uh, Crossroads Summit Convention in Houston in September of 2017. And in Las Vegas, they had 600 claimed skeptics, and there weren't a dozen people in the room that had had thermodynamics. So I'm sitting there in a room full of people that are just so smug with themselves because their carbon dioxide only warms a little. And I'm going, no, actually, carbon dioxide is a coolant. And that was what was covered in our book. Turns out it takes more training in thermodynamics to get an undergraduate in engineering than a Ph.D. in meteorology or climatology. So I'm sitting there talking to people who just have no clue what the actual you know, physics of, of heat transfer is, you know, by, by radiation convection and, and induction. And, and it makes it impossible to describe why they are wrong. And, and if they would accept the real science, this thing could have been over 10 years ago. I've been writing about climate stuff for over 10 years. So I was contacted in 2010 uh, when I was author of articles on a weekly basis at Canada Free Press by several other authors at Canada Free Purpose, and we got together and wrote this book, and we had uh, six authors. Uh, We were from five different countries. None of us had ever met until the book was in draft form, and two guys that lived in England, one of them was from um, Belgium, but he had moved to England, and he lived on the east side of England, and the other guy lived in Wales, and so they got together over a weekend and did the final edit on the book. So that's how we got started. Uh, one of the authors uh, teaches uh, numerical methods at University of Stockholm, has a Ph.D. in mathematics, and numerical methods is required uh, course after three semesters of calculus in order to, uh, it's a prerequisite for thermodynamics. So we were all on board about how physics actually worked and how it wasn't being discussed in, in the open market. And basically what they do is they kind of do like a Democrat and Republican uh, puppet show where it's like they have, I call them the lukewarmists and the, and, the, uh, and the warmists because I didn't want to insult anybody like they call us deniers. But, you know, I needed to have a name since, since neither one of them were talking about it. And um, our book was published, and we noticed that we were uh, – 
that there was a lot of research that couldn't get published because they controlled, and that's what the climate gate exposed, was that they you couldn't discuss climate issues because they had a, a gridlock on all of the publishing houses. And they right. flat out said, you know, we'll make sure they don't get published, and if they do, we'll make sure they lose tenure. And, you know, and so basically it was racketeering on, on a scientific level. And I have been lectured in person by Richard Lindzen, uh Fred Singer, uh, Judith Curry, uh, Roy yes. Spencer, uh, Tony Watts, uh, you know, basically everybody that's uh, Mockton and uh, um, Dellingpole, everybody that's touted as being an expert in climate, I've been lectured to them by in person. And when you try to talk to them about, well, have you considered this? And it's like, no, no, no. And they're just, okay, so whatever. So we decided to form our own organization where we could uh, get research papers and have them peer-reviewed by people that were honest peers. And then we would kind of do a a daily or whatever uh, news summary. And so that's what we started off doing, and we've been highly successful at it. I think last time I talked with John, we had like over 6,000 members worldwide for an organization that's only eight years old. Right. Now, I I wanted to ask you about your organization's mission. It says on the website, to defend the scientific method. So the, the obvious question that jumps out is, why does the scientific method need defending? What's happening in science right now that the scientific method needs to be defended? Well, it, it's been bought and paid for by people that have a vested interest. And this, this COVID thing is going to be such a glaring example to everybody once the, the uh, image is finally the mosaic pieces are finally put up and people are able to realize it. But science is uh, quantitative, uh, uh, predictive, and repeatable. And anything that doesn't meet those three requirements is superstition. And these people start off with an agenda, and in order to make their agenda work, they have to modify the scientific method. We use the actual scientific method. Uh, the first two research per- papers that we published were from a guy, uh, Nassif Nahal, who's a Ph.D. Uh, professor at University of Monterey, and he actually went out and measured the incoming uh, down uh, radiation long wave to the Earth, which is theoretically what is causing warming from carbon dioxide. Well... He measured it and found that it was just trace little amounts. It was exactly predicted by NASA following the uh, uh, magnetic flux lines down to Earth at night, and the rest of the time there was no downwelling radiation. Then he also repeated the uh, Dr. Robert Wood's uh, greenhouse experiment from Stanford in 1909, and he got the same exact thing that Stanford said. Not only does the... Does the atmosphere not reflect infrared radiation back to the earth, but even glass in a greenhouse doesn't. And so he he redid that experiment, and we had both of those experiments published on our website. Okay? Okay. Right. So let's so, let's get into magnetobiology. And it's yes, it's just... Uh, 
I want to also point out that I posted uh, – there's a link at strangeplanet.ca underneath tonight's show info where people can click, uh, and that'll take them to principia-scientific.com, principia-scientific.com. It's .org? My apologies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, the, uh, the link is there, and uh, the article, Magnetobiology to Connect 5G, Low Oxygen Intake, and CV19, question mark. And people can read that for themselves. But let me ask you about magnetobiology. It's in the article described as an emerging science. So uh, I understand it's considered a branch of biophysics. But when something is considered an emerging science, what does that mean? Is it, in other words, taken seriously by some scientists and perhaps dismissed by pseudoscience by others? What is the status of magnetobiology as a science? Well, <laughs> that's very interesting, because the book was written by Vladimir Binhai, and uh, he goes into uh, how common EMF, electromagnetic frequency radiation, affects bio, uh, biological systems, and that comes from like your power lines, your appliances, your cell phones. And then he also goes into the fact that the sun provides 200 uh, volts per meter per square meter, and power lines provide up to 10,000 volts per square meter of that amount of radiation. So if you're near a high-voltage power line, you're definitely getting. And you're also getting a, a certain amount through your um, dirty alternating current in your home, and that's irrefutable. Now, the the article actually refers to the title of his book, uh, Magno Biology, Underlying Physics and Problems. That book was published in 2002. There was only a single edition. Uh, it was published by Academic Press. And if you go to Amazon right now, they have nine copies in stock, and they want $280 for a paperback. And want two hundred dollars for an ebook. So obviously, a book that's eighteen years old, you could sell the ebook for less than two hundred dollars if you wanted this information out. This is part of the event two hundred one lockstep and flood the zone. They're going to lockstep to make sure you don't get any information that's contradictory to their narrative, and then they're going to flood the zone with everything that is supportive of their narrative. Uh, there's another link in that article at uh, principle called RF radiation cell phone in uh, uh, cancer with 4G, and that's by the International Agency for uh, Research on Cancer. And that article is still up, so you can read it. And an, another article by Dana Ashley on 60 gigahertz impact to ozone, uh, oxygen levels. And that's also uh, affected in the 150 gigahertz range. Now, people listening to the show, you don't have to let your eyes roll because you can't keep up with all the numbers or the science. This is a podcast. You can re-listen to it over and over. Uh, there's plenty of stuff that's referenced. I have six articles on this pandemic at Principal Scientific, and you can read those at your leisure. Uh, if you're one of those people who's unemployed right now, consider this your time to... Uh, improve your knowledge on everything. And just as right. a coincidence, my last article I wrote was, um, is this the one? Yeah, Right to Try Voodoo, I think is the one. Anyhow, 
during the plague of 1666, uh, um, London lost like 30% of their people, and they'd been having a plague about every 20 years. So they had the quarantine issue down. And one of the uh, people that was affected by that was Isaac Newton. He was a student at Cambridge, and they sent him home, and he was locked in his mother's attic for 18 months, and that's when he wrote Principa Mathematica, and that is still the tour de force of physics. He ground his own lenses. He invented the reflecting telescope. He did his own experiments on light and motion and energy uh, and wrote his book in Latin. And he was so intimidated by his advancement of science that he had two copies made, and he put one of them at the Royal Society so that other members could review it and give him some critique before he went public with it. And one of the people that reviewed it is the guy from Germany that came over, never did a a physics experiment in his life, but claimed that he invented calculus because he used all of Newton's raw data and uh, Newton-derived equations to come up with his version of calculus. So that's one of the problems that, that I have with scientific history. All right. Uh, we're coming up on a break here, Joseph. I just wanted to mention you referenced uh, Dana Ashley. And uh, as you say, there is a link there in the uh, the article that uh, we posted at uh, strangeplanet.ca. Let me just, as we go into the break, kind of tease what we're going to discuss when we come back, because uh, Dana Ashley points this out, uh, quote, the impacts of 60 gigahertz are not widely published. But here's what I can tell you. And it's a part ironically, from promotional material of the big telecom companies themselves. So again, this is coming from the promotional material from the big telecom companies themselves regarding 60 gigahertz. It reads, 60 gigahertz has a very distinct impact on none other than oxygen itself. So that's what we're going to pick up on when we return. Joseph Olson my guest from Principia, Principia Scientific International, and uh, we are discussing magnetobiology, 5G, low oxygen intake, and COVID-19. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. I know we just rolled the uh, the phone numbers there, but if, if you're listening to the conversation, have a question or comment, just keep your powder dry. We will open up the phone lines in the second hour and take your questions and comments. Joseph A. Olson is with us. He's a founding member of Principia Scientific International which provides educational resources freely in the fields of scientific inquiry. He's a retired engineer, science writer, respected innovative thinker, and uh, the co-author of Slaying the Sky Dragon, Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory. Uh, But we are talking about this emerging science, magnetobiology, what it can tell us about uh, the dangers, perhaps, of 5G, the connection between 5G and low oxygen intake, and how that might 
whether there's a nexus there with with uh, COVID-19. Now, again, this has been widely ridiculed by the mainstream media. But, uh, you know, one has to ask, how rigorously have they looked into this? It's very easy to say, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Uh, but has anyone actually sat down and taken the time to examine this? Well, apparently, yes, they have. And uh, we should point out, Joseph, that the uh, the article that we're referencing was written by John O'Sullivan. Uh, can you what, what are John's uh, what's his background? Can you tell us? Uh, he's a former school teacher and um, he just started you know writing articles about science from, from with from an English perspective and so um, and he's actually the one that proposed writing a book and he's the one that that selected the uh, six authors so you know he, that put him in the, the principal position and then he uh, edited the the book it was issued right. and- in uh, November of 2010, on actually on Thanksgiving Day, as an uh, ebook and the European print version, and then the American version came out in January of 2011. So okay, and and what he's doing here primarily is just gathering research by other experts and uh, and compiling it together and providing links. And again, it's in this article at Principia-Scientific.org uh, regarding Magneto. Biology, and uh, it's important also to point out that uh, the uh, electromagnetism has um, has been described as the foundation of life. What can you tell us about about that? How electromagnetism is so important to to life? Well, first of all, if we didn't have a magnetosphere, we would be bombarded with enough gamma rays that, that the Earth would be completely sterile. So that's one fact of life that makes Earth unique. All this uh, stuff from NASA about the magic cinderella distance from the sun and the magic sun size, and that's the elements of life is ridiculous. If we didn't have um, one point two million cubic miles of thorium and 800,000 cubic miles of uranium decaying underneath our feet and providing us with raw um, elemental atoms and compounds and providing us with the uh, dynamo for the Earth's magnetic field, then we wouldn't have life on this planet. The uh, geothermal energy is what sets the baseline temperature for the Earth. And we've covered that extensively uh, in our work. I've written over 100 articles on global warming uh, physics involved. And, you know, it's way more than we can go into now. But I sent you a copy of, uh, and this is easy to pull up on, on Google, uh, water or, uh, atmosphere absorption spectrum. And it has the Planck's curve for incoming solar radiation and then it shows the absorption. The atmosphere absorbs 30% of the incoming energy. But then it also, underneath on that particular graph, lists the various uh, elements that are in the atmosphere, which would be the absorbing elements, carbon dioxide, water vapor. And of note, water vapor absorbs in 37,000 wavelengths. But absorption is only a momentary thing. It lasts for a couple of billionths of a second. It excites the atom. The atom absorbs 
incoming radiation, and then it emits a longer wavelength, lower energy photon, and those kind of cascade through the atmosphere. And so the water vapor that's in the atmosphere is removing incoming solar energy by reducing it to a longer wavelength, lower energy. And that's the reason why they're trying to do the 5G, because it's a higher energy, so you can carry more data on on the waves, and, and you can use larger files. But the point is, if you can do live stream Netflix on 4G, why do you need to have 5Gs and compress a movie into five minutes that you can't watch in less than an hour and a half. So there's no need for that as a broadcast medium, and 5G is perfectly fine working on DSL. You have no radiation issues. So if we wanted to have a good functional country, we'd be installing DSL lines instead of cell towers, and we dancer wouldn't be putting 42,000 Starlink uh 5G satellites in orbit that are going to cloud our planet with space junk for the next two or three hundred years. It's completely absurd. One of the okay. articles I wrote is about um, Green Prince of Darkness on photocells, and they on the space station, they have a service life seven years because it's nothing but uh, crude electrical uh, uh, erosion. All they're doing is stripping electrons off of a donor atom, usually it's boron, which has a fifth outer shell uh, electron, and they strip off that electron. It goes out and does DC work, but it doesn't ever come back and get, get back on the boron. It's, well, let's do that again tomorrow. It's, a, it's nothing but a chemical, uh, I mean a uh, molecular erosion process. Okay, I want to come back to electromagnetism if I could. Um, and yeah. I, I, here's something I wanted to pull from John O'Sullivan's article because this is fascinating. He said, we may not realize it, but the tiny mitochondria in our cells generates a field that's stronger than lightning at about 30 million volts per meter. That's fascinating. The mitochondria in our cells generate a field that's stronger than lightning at about 30 million volts per meter. And then he writes, anytime you have the movement of charged particles in a living organism, you create an, an, an electromagnetic field. Every cell, every molecule in our body resonates at certain frequencies. And there is, a there is scientific evidence that cell phones can cause brain tumors. And uh, this, all these uh, statements uh, have citations and so forth. So uh, if prolonged 4G cell phone use may be proven to be harmful... We, we don't know definitively, I suppose. But if it is, again, as you say, why would we even be thinking of 5G use? Uh, because all the data is controlled by four entities. One of them is the military, and John mentions that in his article, the active denial systems where they use 95 gigahertz. And two seconds of that radiation will raise your body temperature 130 degrees. You'll just, if you're not running away as fast as you can, you'll fall over dead. Uh, then you have the telecom industry. They're more interested in being able to um, install antennas because they're getting paid by the government to do that. Uh, you have the electrical uh, power industry, which could tell us uh, a lot of things about cancer and, and other health uh, risks from their uh, EMF discharges. And then we have the government, which 
you know, allows us to use microwave ovens, which are charging up the water molecules in the 2.45 gigahertz range, and that's what warms your food. You're exciting the water molecules inside your food. Uh, now, when John first approached me about being on your show two weeks ago, I said, man, I need to brush up on this. Let me find some more information. On uh, July 24th, an article was posted at PubMed. NIH.gov, and it says 5G technology and induction of coronavirus in skin cells. That article was only up for about six or eight hours. I didn't do a screen save because I didn't think it was going to be taken down, but I did take some pretty good notes, and then I was able to find uh, somebody that did do a screen save and verify my notes. But in that article, what the guy said is that at, at, at that certain wavelength, you're able to break open skin cells and release coronavirus that's already in the skin cells. Now, that might not sound very believable until you do a little more research on uh, viruses and, and uh, cell structure. One of the people that I was very interested in was early on with research in this, and I've only been doing this research for about six months, but I have been doing uh, chemistry and biology research at a collegiate level for over 40 years. But Judy Mekovich, who was formerly with CDC, was interviewed by George Norrie on uh, April yes. 14th. Normally, uh, 30 days after he does an interview with a guest, he puts it up on their YouTube channel. Because she was speaking against WHO and CDC, and in particular uh, Mr. Fauci, uh, she never had that, her, her program put up, and everything that she's done on YouTube has been scrubbed. She's done dozens of interviews. I've watched them all. Uh, she gave me an advanced copy of her book, Plague of Corruption, and I read her book, and it was, like, outstanding. She mentioned that uh, every um, immune deficiency, which would be uh, lupus and uh, uh, autism and all of these diseases that are caused by xenotropic murine-related viruses, and this is the viruses that are in the tissue cultures that they're using to grow the vaccines in. Now, according to Dr. Uh, Andrew Kaufman and, and Dr. Zachary Bush, both of which have, um, P, uh, have uh, postgraduate, their MDs with postgraduate degrees in uh, microbiology, they've been stating that humans have uh, 90, I mean 75% junk DNA. Well, I don't think, you know, the good Lord puts down here with a bunch of junk DNA. DNA is kind of like Fortran, and I was in college when the first three IBM. Okay. I've got to jump in here, Joseph, because we're, we're late for a break, but we'll come back and pick up on that. Joseph Olson uh, stays with us as we continue to delve into magnetobiology and 5G right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. The uh, International Agency for Research on Cancer, IARC, categorized radio frequency radiation emitted by cell phones as a Group 2B human carcinogen. Group 2B means possible. Okay, it's possible. So uh, 5G 
you know, what are the what are the effects if if prolonged 4G cell phone use is proven to be harmful? Why do we think 5G use would be less so? Uh, and yet that is what's coming our way, 5G. And uh, we are discussing, uh, I guess, a, a possible nexus between 5G and other uh, diseases, including certain viruses, including COVID-19. Yes, it's dismissed as conspiracy theory. Uh, however, we need to delve into, into, into this further. And it may turn out to be not true, but we need to be open-minded. We're talking about, uh, you know, the health of, of billions of people on this planet. Joseph Olson stays with us. Um, I, I wanted to, to come back to this uh, I, because I mentioned Dana Ashley talking about in the, in the literature, the promotional literature of these big telecom companies themselves. They talk about 60 gigahertz has a distinct impact on oxygen itself. And you mentioned, Joseph, that um, radiation, uh, electromagnetic radiation absorbs oxygen. Uh, or is it the other way around? Oxygen absorbs this, uh, this it, it EMF. Absorbs, it, yeah, almost everything absorbs in a, in a discrete uh, range, in a spectrum range. And that's how you can look out in the universe and tell what chemical composition of faraway planets is because of the spectral line. Anything it absorbs also emits, and it emits really very quickly. But what happens with oxygen is when it absorbs the 60 gigs, it spins and it can't uptake to the iron molecule that's in your hemoglobin. So as your body is sending red blood cells around to pick up the used CO2 and take them to your lungs and drop the CO2 off and pick up some oxygen, it can't make that exchange, and therefore you end up very quickly getting hypoxia which is a buildup of CO2 in your tissue. Uh, if right. it's so, a respiratory restriction, like a face mask, then you get hypercapnia, which is an increase in CO2 uh, intake, and, and that will cause you to have hypoxia, and both of those are very dangerous conditions. Now, the FCC says that the body absorbs in the 30 to 300 megahertz range, but they say that there's no surface warming with uh, less than 580 microwatts per centimeter squared. Well, what they're not telling you is what's the subsurface warming, because this stuff goes right through the surface. Well, it turns out when you come to this article that we just discussed, the 5G uh, technology in induction of uh, coronavirus in skin cells, which was published on 724 and withdrawn uh, within 24 hours, because people started reading it, uh, basically what Dr. Uh, Bush and Kaufman had said is the junk DNA that's in our body is incorporated viral and bacterial tissue that have been passed down from previous generations, and these are, are part of your immune system. So when you break apart your cells, you can actually release portions of the cell that have the coronavirus from previous generations. Ah, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So, so let me just go back to the. Uh, this was a, this is a short segment. We're going to break away again and come back and and go right to the top of the hour. But I, I want to just come back to this is this is important. The the effect that sixty megahertz 
has on the oxygen molecules and the electrons, how it causes them to spin, I guess, much in the same way a microwave oven affects water molecules, which is used to heat your food. The, the 60 megahertz uh, cause the electrons in your oxygen molecules that you're breathing in to spin in such a way that it's difficult for the hemoglobin, that's the iron uh, protein right. in your blood, right. it's difficult, it makes it difficult for the, for the hemoglobin to pick up the oxygen molecule. Is that it? Correct. Correct. And, and so, so you're, you're suffocating even though you have oxygen in your lungs. Even though you have a respirator blowing oxygen in your lungs, you're still suffocating because you can't make that exchange. So that's right. One and, of the, and you need about 97% uh, oxygen level uh, in your blood. And once it starts to go down from that into the low 90s, then you start suffering from hypoxia. And if it goes even further into the low 80s, what could happen? Well, it, it, you end up being dead pretty quick, and that's what's that's what's happening with the patients that are being put on ventilators, and that's what's happening to people that are exposed to high levels of 5G. So, um, again, we're, we're going to break away here in a moment, but um, then the question is, so the, 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 the people that are showing up in hospitals with difficulty breathing, uh, it, is that... 5G induced hypoxia, or is that the virus, or is the 5G exacerbating the virus? I mean, just kind of speak to that very quickly, and then we'll come back to it after the break. Well, most of the people that are having the uh, issues are people that have cofactors. So, you know, most of the people that are having issues with this particular virus are people that um, have other underlying conditions. And so the, this this is an opportunistic disease like almost all of them are, and it's just based on your immune system not being able to handle this additional front. And generally, it's not the bacteria that, I mean, it's not the virus that kills you, it's the bacteria that the viruses ride around on. Uh, viruses, like I said, they, they don't eat, they don't, you know, do anything, they don't, they don't mate, they go in and infect the host cell and use the host cell's replicating uh, mechanism to reproduce more viruses. So basically, they hijack your Fortran, and they say, we're going to print more viruses, and next thing you know, your cell is full of a 1,000 viruses, and the cell wall bursts, and all those viruses go, hey, that was fun. Let's go find another cell just like that and have a party. And so that's what your body is trying to fight against. What they're claiming in the way of medicine is that by having antibodies to those particular viruses, you can uh, be uh, immune to them, but that's not uh, proving to be true. And so that's where the problem is. We're going to have this is going to be a watershed for medical science, the same way that carbon dioxide was a uh, warming is a uh, watershed for other Earth sciences. Okay, I got to jump in here. We'll uh, take another quick time out, Joseph. Okay, uh, hold tight. We'll be back in a moment. The conspiracy show continues right after this. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Let me just uh, crib here again from the uh, the article by John O'Sullivan on magnetobiology. 
uh, and that is uh, published by Principia-Scientific.org. Principia Scientific International and the co-founder Joseph Olson is with us. Uh, O'Sullivan cites an article uh, by Susan Brin, the director of the Center for Electrosmog Prevention in La Mesa, California. Novel 5G technology is being rolled out in several densely populated cities, although potential chronic health or environmental impacts have not been evaluated and are not being followed. Higher frequency or shorter wavelength radiation associated with 5G does not penetrate the body as deeply as frequencies from older technologies, although its effects may be systemic. The range and magnitude of potential impacts of 5G technologies are under-researched, although important biological outcomes have been reported with millimeter wavelength exposure. These include oxidative stress and altered gene expression, effects on skin and systemic effects such as immune function. In vivo studies, that means in living organisms, in vivo studies reporting resonance with human sweat ducts, acceleration of bacteria or bacterial and viral replication, which Joseph alluded to earlier, and other endpoints indicate the potential for novel as well as more commonly recognized biological impacts from this range of frequencies and highlight the need for research before population-wide continuous exposure. So, again, they're saying that this is a possibility, it, and we best if be open-minded about this rather than just say this is tinfoil hat nonsense. Uh, so, Joseph, you were talking about, you were, you were, you were mentioning this, um, the acceleration of bacterial and viral replication, you say that this is uh, remnants of the, some of these viruses are contained in what some people refer to as junk DNA, correct? Well, that's what Kaufman and Bush both say. And there's and they're just part of a large body of work. I mean, there's other... Uh, tremendous number of uh, microbiologists that are coming forward now and going, you know, we've got a failed model with the uh, Pasteur 1895 germ theory that it doesn't really work, and then we've got a, a super failed model with uh, the vaccine programs. Uh, the thing about vaccines, they didn't identify the first virus because the viruses are about 20 nanometers and that you can't magnify visual light down to the point where you can see something that's smaller than the wavelength of the light. So in other words, the light, the photons are, are coming in on a sinusoidal curve, and if the thing that they're, the target is smaller than the wavelength of the light, the light just passes by it. So we need to have an electron microscope where instead of using light, you put a stream of electrons in there, and then you can actually see something that's down to the size, theoretically, of an electron. So that's when they first identified the first viruses in 1931. The guy won a Nobel Prize for it in 1946. But up until that time, everything that they concocted in the way of a vaccine had unknown quantities and had unknown impurities, and turns out the impurities were 40, 50 other viral uh, uh, issues that were in the SV40 monkey kidneys that they made polio vaccines with that gave everybody cancer. So basically, we've been inoculating people with 
cancer-causing and, and other disease-causing agents, and our body's just luckily been able to absorb it because we have an immune system that's been perfected in human beings for over a million years and in plants and animals for, you know, five or six billion years. Um, one of the things, plants are subject to attacks uh, by uh, a number of threat vectors, which include mold and fungus and um, bacteria and viruses and grazing animals. And so they develop chemical defenses to that. One of those chemical defenses is a family of chemicals called uh, alkaloids, which uh, some of these uses have dated back to Mesopotamia 2,000 years ago. I mean, 2000 BC. So that's for 4,000 years, people have used alkaloid, naturally plant derived medicines. And that includes nicotine, caffeine, strychnine, cocaine, morphine, all of the psychedelic drugs, DMT, and it also includes quinine. Now, interestingly ah. enough, um, LSD is one of those uh, subjects, and that's why I started studying alkaloids uh, back in the 60s was because there were rumors that the CIA was using, was promoting the uh, LSD, and sure enough, there was a guy named Gottlieb that was called called the uh, doctor of death at the CIA that used it on, uh, experimented on everybody with it, and that's really a, another unknown scandal. But it was, uh, LSD was first isolated by Albert Hoffman in 1838 at Sandoz, and it was derived from uh, rye air gut mold. And it had been used by um, midwives in Europe for centuries uh, to relieve um, pain, uh, childbirth pains. And so they would give them a little bit of this stuff. And so sure enough, everybody in Europe was born when mom was on a trip for about <laughs> the last... It's since... The, the earliest documented case of it was 1857, but it probably predated that. So that had been folklore medicine. And then in 1951, the CIA clandestinely poisoned the town of Pont-Saint-Esprit in France, and they had what was called the Day of St. Anthony Fire. And that was a book that was written about that incident in 1969 with declassified CIA documents. So we have people that are more than willing to take medicine and use it against us. Now, quinine was used by Native Americans for thousands of years before Columbus got here. Uh, the Spanish um, explorers took it back to Europe in 1638. It's been used in Europe since then. Uh, chloroquine is just a stabilized form of it, and hydrochloroquine is another stabilized form of it. Uh, Chloroquine was developed by Bayer in 18, I mean, in 1935, and then hydrochloroquine was developed in 1945. And they have been on the physician's list of um, essential medicines for over 65 years. They are a preventative and a cure. And in August of August 22nd, 2005, the journal Virology, which was funded by the NIH, said. Uh, chloroquine is a potent inhibitor of the SARS corona infection and spread. So not only does it uh, work as a prophylactic preventative, it also is a very good cure. And this was an article that they published then. Well, then when Trump says that he's going to be using hydrochloroquine to keep from getting sick, it rushed out and they had a um, 
that they funded at the University of Virginia National Health Institute. It's published at MedRxIV, and it says outcomes of hydrochloroquine usage among United States veteran hospitalized with uh, COVID-19. They split 368 patients into three groups, gave all of the groups substandard care. They were able to kill 27%, 27 27.8% in one group, 22% in another, and 11% in another. So that's the extent that these people will go to. They will kill veterans with overdoses or underdoses in order to prove that something is not an effective medicine. Uh, we'll come back to hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine maybe in the second hour, but I wanted uh, we're, we're up okay. against another break here at the top of the hour, yeah. and uh, yeah. we will uh, open up the phone lines in the second hour. Joseph Olson okay. will stay with us, and uh, we'll continue to uh, delve into magnetobiology and um, the possible link between 5G uh, oxygen, low oxygen intake and uh, viruses, including COVID-19. And uh, the thing that, that jumps out at me is if we are and we all are, you know, existing in this electronic smog, not only because of uh, you know 3G and 4G and soon to be 5G, I mean, everything uh, is, uh, is uh, you know, radio waves, uh, baby monitors, dirty electricity from appliances and electrical lines and so forth. Um, one should expect that we're all suffering from low oxygen. And I'll, I'll put that question to Joseph Olson on the other side. Are we all suffering from maybe uh, varying degrees of hypoxia? And is this making us more susceptible uh, to, uh, to, to various viruses and other illnesses? Uh, back with more of our conversation and your phone calls when The Conspiracy Show continues. From Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A hearty how-do to everyone tuning in on our flagship station, AM 740, 96.7 FM, Zoomer Radio in Toronto. And hey there to all of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. Hi there to those of you streaming us on zoomerradio.ca and on the Zoomer Radio app. That's a free app, by the way. And on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. And hiya to those assembled in the YouTube live chat, and we'll be including some of your questions as well. We'll go to the phones, but for those of you in the live chat who have questions, uh, Ryan will uh, will feed those over to me. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Science writer and co-founder of Principia Scientific International, Joseph Olson, is here as we continue to discuss the emerging science of magnetobiology and its possible connection to 5G, low oxygen intake, and COVID-19. And again, I've posted a link to that story up at strangeplanet.ca. Joseph is also co-author of Slaying the Dragon, Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory, the world's first full-volume debunk of the greenhouse gas theory. Uh, Before the break, Joseph, I was wondering about... uh, 
you know, this electronic smog that we're all swimming around in and and whether uh, we're all suffering, at least of those of us in, in urban areas, uh, we're all suffering from a form of uh, varying degrees of hypoxia. Um, what do you think? What is the, is there any data on that? Well, there is data on uh, another form of poisoning that we're suffering from, and that's from fluoride and chloride, chlorine. Uh, those are period seven, if you look on a uh, chemical table, the periodic table. They're over on the far right-hand side. That's the halogen group and includes uh, bromine and iodine. Well, iodine is, is uh, mandatory for your body to be able to manufacture hormones, and it's vital to your immune system. And it's regulated by the pineal gland, and it's also stored in the thyroid. And it turns out that by drinking chlorinated and fluoridated water, you uh, are substituting the iodine in your thyroid gland, and uh, you're causing a calcium buildup. And one of the things that hydrochloroquine does, in addition to being a natural antibiotic and antiviral, which works on a number of diseases, uh, was commonly prescribed for lupus and arthritis prior to this dust-up with uh, the uh, Wu flu, but it decalcifies the pineal gland, which is in charge of your uh, circadial rhythms and, and your sleep cycle, and that's part of your immune system. So you can be slowly poisoned by, by intake of uh, chlorine and uh, fluorine. And, and that's in your toothpaste and your and your fluoridated mouthwashes, which say if you ingest any of this, call Poison Control Center. Well, why wouldn't it say that on the same glass of tap water that they're giving you fluoride in? So bottom line is we have, and then this is in an article that I, my most recent one at PSI, which is Wu Flu Bastoon News for You. And it's this hydrochloroquine decalcifies the pineal gland. has a reference to endocrine website, which is an overview of the pineal gland. And it also has uh, a reference to beyond thyroid cancer, which is the fluorine, chlorine, and bromine uh, halogen uh, connections to the, those forms of cancer. So we're definitely being slowly poisoned. And, it, you know, that adds up to more um, more other opportunistic diseases. The, the problem is, is that they would rather sell you a palpative than to ever cure anything. In one of my articles, I go into um, doctors that solve the worst um, human infection on the planet, and that was the... Um, peptic ulcers. Yeah, Dr. Robert Warren and Dr. Barry Marshall won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2005 for a cure of peptic ulcers. Uh, they made their discovery in 1982. It took a decade to get Australia to allow them to use their treatment, and it took another decade for America, and then it took another five years after that for the uh, Nobel Prize Committee to award them their science award. Turns out that uh, the H. pylori bacteria 
releases acid and it lives in your stomach. And so what they were saying is, well, you've got peptic ulcers because you've got too much acid, so you need to take an alkaline uh, Maalox every day. You need to take a spoonful of Maalox or Pepto-Bismol or whatever their palpative was that they were trying to sell you at the time. And they would rather keep you on that for your lifetime than to ever say, oh, it's caused by bacteria. If we kill the bacteria, then you don't have an acid waste problem in your stomach, and it goes away. The most common infection in the human population, and it took um, 25 years for these guys to get an um, award from the Nobel Prize Committee. So that just kind of tells you how defective our science system is. Also in this article, I make a point about a Nobel Prize that was awarded in 1949 to a Portuguese neurologist, Antonio Muzi, for prefrontal lobotomies. He would take an ice pick, stick it behind your eye socket, and scramble the brains of patients that were in mental wards. And he did this between 1936 and 1953 to thousands of patients. You just go, oh, yeah, you just take My an ice word. pick, stick it behind. Oh, it's horrid. That's the state of medicine in the mid-century. I mean, if, if barbaric, you want to or beyond barbaric. Yes, and that's what I'm, I'm going through. So, so it's, it's it's time that we could reassess everything that we have been lectured about medicine, and and in particular virus. Dr. Judy Makovitz, who's highly qualified, and a bunch of these other doctors that I've heard from, have said that we should have a two-year moratorium on no vaccines at all for two years until we sort this out. Now, I attended um, the rally in Dallas where they had a speaker that was a medical doctor, uh, Dr. Yvette Lozano from the Dallas area. Said she treated 30 patients. This was in the 1st of May, or actually May 9th. Uh, 30 patients with uh, 100% success and that all of her staff was taking hydrochloroquine so that they wouldn't get sick. And she said, we're all healthy, we're all doing just fine, and every patient I've treated is doing just fine. Well, the state licensing board's coming after her. Uh, one of the speakers at that event was State Senator Bob Hall. Uh, he uh, since then did a um, town hall with six medical doctors. One of them had treated up to uh, 200 patients. He's a, a former um, member of the GOP governing board in Texas, and they're coming after his license. Um, and, and all six doctors that had alternative treatments, some of them included ivermectin and uh, butestamid, uh, they all are having their licenses reviewed. And turns out that the AMA in Texas is the largest chapter in the whole United States and that they do exactly what Big Pharma wants them to do and they make sure their people get up on the appointed to the state medical board and the state medical board does exactly what the AMA wants them to do. And this is a racket uh, that's just uh, unconscionable. Right. And what what gets me, Joseph, is, uh, you know, there are these pre-approved experts uh, and we have to listen to them uh, at the exclusion of all other experts. Uh, And, you know, in 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 Western civilization, uh, you know, you go to a physician and if he gives you gives you a diagnosis or a treatment, you're encouraged to get a second, maybe even a third opinion. But when it comes to this, we are told, no, this is the opinion. You must fall in line and shut up. I, I know. And, I know. 
And the thing is, the medical establishment now is getting an enormous amount of pushback from physicians. The AMA is in the position of power that they are because they offer group rates on liability insurance. And if you're not a member of the AMA, your liability insurance is 25 30% higher. So basically, it's an extortion scheme. You join our group, and, you, and we're going to be you know, your cheerleader, and you're going to do exactly what we tell you to do, or you're going to lose your license. Well, that kind of threat can only go so far. We have doctors that are boldly standing up, just like the doctors that stood the the uh, frontline doctors. You know, we're the ones that are treating patients every day. Uh, the ones that are in charge, and let's not even mention names, but the the heads of the CDC and the uh, NIAID and the NIH and the FDA, they've never treated a patient. They've been bureaucrats since they got out of med school. They finished their, their last patient when they finished their internship. And they, they, if they even have an MD, a lot of them don't even have an MD. So it's incredible that these are the people that are dictating to doctors that are being in the eye of their patients. It, and and as you point out, and as you point out, uh, chloroquine, um, a study that goes back to 2005, printed in the Virology Journal, um, that chloroquine has a strong antiviral effect on SARS coronavirus infection of primate cells. These inhibitory effects are observed when the cells are treated with the drug either before or after exposure to the virus suggesting both prophylactic and therapeutic advantage. So back in 2005, uh, we were told by the Virology Journal that uh, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine is is related to that, is effective in treating SARS. And then we have uh, experts saying, so-called experts saying, no, it it doesn't work. Uh, And if we have doctors that come forward bravely um, saying that, yes, I'm treating 350 of my patients with 100% effectiveness, that doctor is then summarily fired. Uh, We have the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons have come out and said hydroxychloroquine works. Now, they're talking about a specific protocol when used with with zinc and uh, azithromycin, again, uh, reporting tremendous success. So they are actually uh, suing the CDC. They 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 filed a thirty-nine page lawsuit against the CDC. I read the lawsuit; it's impeccable, and they will absolutely win. Now, next thing, I wrote an article called "Right to Try Voodoo," and this is um, right next to the last article that I had on this subject. And they, you know, the government wants to appear like they're uh, magnanimous and compassionate and all this other garbage. And just like we mentioned, the frontal lobotomy by the Portuguese neurologist and, um, uh, let's see, Edward Jenner came up with the cowpox vaccination, but by 1948, no longer uh, vaccination for um Smallpox is no longer required in England. These, the the uh, smallpox virus first appeared in humans in the year 10,000 B.C., and then it got particularly virulent around 1700 A.D., and what happens is it's going through a human population. Either it gets more virulent and kills off its host, which ends the stem line, 
or it gets less and less virulent. So it can get virulent for a while, and then either it gets real virulent and kills everybody, or it gets less virulent as it's, as it's going through the meiosis with each individual human. And then that becomes part of the incorporated DNA in your body that's the junk DNA. It's like, well, we don't need it right now, but we'll put that, that key punch card in the data file, and that's where it belongs in the data file, so we can pull it when we need it. Well, if the cell's broken apart because of 5G, then that releases those previously captive uh, elements. Now, interesting thing, the human genome was plotted and posted in 2003. Once, once it was posted, they said, well, now we've got the human genome. We can find out what the most deadly plague in the whole world was. That was Spanish flu, and they, they exhumed a bunch of different bodies, Eskimos that were in the frozen north, so they got real pure samples, and uh, World War I veterans. And so anyhow, they exhumed enough to be able to come up with the genome. That was published clandestinely online because people said, well, we need to know what this the most dangerous virus is. Well, the most dangerous virus turns out was H1N1, which occurs in the human population about every 20 years and had before then. So if you didn't have the cofactors of the defective vaccine that they gave our troops for typhoid, yellow fever, and smallpox during World War One, and you didn't transport them in un- unheated rail cards and on the decks of uh, freighters full of munitions over to Germany and put them in gas-filled trenches, then maybe we wouldn't have had a pandemic in nineteen in 1918. So that's right, right. exactly how absurd this whole thing is. We need to have a complete re-examination of everything involved in science. But getting back to that, there was a cure that was allowed in the United States between 1920 and 1953 called Laetril cancer, and it's yes. made from apricot pits. And finally, they proved that what happens is when you eat enough of these apricot pits, you get strychnine as it's metabolized in your body. The laetril metabolized into strychnine, and the strychnine may kill the cancer, so you may get lucky, but it's probably going to kill you. And so that's when they quit allowing it in the United States. They continued to allow it in Mexico, and that's where Steve McQueen went and got yes. poisoned to yes. death. So, uh, because well, there I, were I, I, I want to come back to hydroxy if I could. I wanted to come back to hydroxychloroquine okay. because, uh, and, and as we mentioned, it was uh, it was approved by I believe it was the NIH in 2005 for use against uh, SARS type uh, viruses. And uh, and now they're saying uh, that uh, they're not going to allow the use of hydroxychloroquine for for SARS two coronavirus, and uh, un- 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 unless Dr. Fauci says unless its efficacy is proven in randomized double blind placebo studies. Uh, now he's amazing. not asking. Yeah, because the interesting thing is uh, what. Of the, I believe there's something like 72 vaccine doses now on the mandatory childhood schedule uh, since he took over the NIAID back in 1984. Have any of those 72 vaccine doses been subjected to randomized double-blind placebo studies? And the answer is no. And none of the vaccines that they're proposing for this uh, COVID vaccine are going to be blind tested either. So isn't there a little bit of hypocrisy that we could all choke on? It's crazy. (laughs) 
I, I'd say. So Let me go to the, uh, the the YouTube live chat. I have a question here from okay. uh, Art B. Sid. Art B. Sid in the YouTube live chat. Welcome. He says, can prolonged 5G exposure disrupt the human body's microbiome? Is, is there any way that this exposure can cause superbugs? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The same way that, that using... Um uh, overuse of uh, antibiotics can cause superbugs. You know, the bugs are there to, to you know, uh, improve their life. And so anytime you put an obstacle in the way, it's just like the pesticides that next thing you know, you've got uh, super caterpillars and super uh, grasshoppers. You've got super weeds. And when you put in um, uh, chemicals to, you know, the glyphosate, to uh, weed killers. You end up with super weeds. So nature's always trying to find a way around whatever obstacle we put. And then if you uh, handicap your uh, immune system, then you're going to have something that's going to be an opportunistic disease, and certainly super bugs are going to be one of those. Yeah. And then you'll have something that'll transfer through a population of other people that have had their immune system compromised. So one other quick little aside, um, the guy that invented the electron microscope, uh, Raymond Reif, uh, yes. also found out that by studying these uh, viruses under uh, his electron microscope, that certain frequencies would cause viruses to break apart. And so yes. he, he made a chart of those. He had hundreds of uh, viral elements that could be broken apart by certain uh, radio frequencies, and he built 30 devices that were capable of treating people, and they were located all across the United States. And finally, the AMA said, hey, this is going against our medicine. You're curing people instead of, uh, you know, keeping them on a palpative. And so they came in and put him in jail and busted up, confiscated and busted up all of his Raymond Rife uh, frequency uh, disease-curing machines. So we've had the capability to solve virtually every one of our disease issues since 1930, but it didn't make money for Big Pharma, and it didn't create a lifetime of dependent, uh, drug-addicted people trying to, to eliminate their symptoms instead of eliminating their causes. And that's the problem. Yeah. All right, we have uh, we have about a minute to the break here, so I just want to throw out the uh, the phone numbers, and uh, we'll come back, take some calls, and also go back to the YouTube live chat for more f questions. Uh, so, if you're in the Greater Toronto area, four one six three six zero zero seven forty four one six three six zero zero seven forty, and toll free from just about anywhere one eight six six seven forty four seven forty one. 866-740-4740. We'll come back. More of my conversation with Joseph Olson as we continue to delve into magnetobiology, 5G, low oxygen uptake, and COVID-19. Back with more in a moment. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. So, to me, this is one of the most striking uh, bits of information regarding this discussion, and that is 
the uh, the telecom companies themselves are admitting that 60 gigahertz, and that's what we're talking about with 5G, 60 gigahertz is absorbed by oxygen, just, it's stunning information. And the fact, you would think the fact that 60 gigahertz even fundamentally interacts with oxygen, which is the most abundant, arguably the most important element to all of biological life, it should be headline news. It should it should cause us all to pause and 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 think about, you know, what are the implications of this? And so if it is if it is absorbing oxygen and if it is proven that that it is causing the uh, the hemoglobin difficulty in absorbing oxygen and therefore causing hypoxia again should be headline news but instead we are told there's nothing happening here folks look the other way it's a conspiracy theory well maybe you know maybe if we we drill down on this and study it and examine it and research it and exhibit an ounce of intellectual curiosity we may find out no it's not a problem after all but maybe we'll find out that it is a problem but it's just too easy to dismiss these things as a conspiracy theory well not on my watch they're they're having a huge issue over in england where they install the cell towers and it's killing trees within feet of the cell towers, so then they're saying, well, the trees are blocking the signal, so we need to come in and cut the trees down. And so they're just stripping entire neighborhoods uh, all over England, and the people are upset about it, but they're stripping it for two reasons. One, yes, it does absorb, just like I told you, the 37,000 spectralized trees have a lot of water inside them, and and that absorbs, and then it also heats them up and causes them to wilt and die. And so they're, they're trying to hide the evidence by cutting down the trees. They're also uh, improving the, uh, the frequency range of the cell towers by cutting down the trees. So, you know, these people, this is a, a, an extinction event that has been, like we mentioned, planned by NASA since at least 2001, planned by Rockefeller since 2001, and they've just decided now's the proper time to do it. Uh, Back to the hydrochloroquine, John O'Quinn did a great summary of, uh, and it's probably four or 5,000 words with dozens of links, is from uh, COVID to cancer, HCQ is the wonder drug of our time. It's a really great article, and all of the sources on there are really great. He had a lot of doctors that uh, sent him information saying, don't use my name, but this is, is where you can find some more information. So it's stuff that's been sourced worldwide, which is the beauty of, um, of the Internet and actually the beauty of um, Principles Scientific. When I first wrote my first article at Canada Free Press, uh, uh, one pleasant day in Runnymede. I was really excited because up until then I'd been posted at Infowars, but not regularly in um, Climate Depot and Climate Realist, and you know just uh, minor little smatterings on the web. And then I had my article published at uh, Canada Free Press, 
and I went over to a friend's house. I said, look at this. They published my article. And he says, well, let's see what kind of market penetration you got. And I go, what's that? And he goes, well, if you put your title in quotations, a unique title will only show your postings. And so we put it in quotes, pulled it up. I was had 300 crosslinks, and then had a language translation bar on the side of the Canada Free Press. People were taking my article and putting it in Thai, Korean, uh, Japanese, French, and Belgium, all within the first three hours of being published. My most popular article at Canada Free Press was called Fossil Fuel is Nuclear Waste. It had 11,000 crosslinks, and looking at 10 crosslinks per page, I went through the first 100 pages, which was the first 1,000 crosslinks. I was in 25 foreign languages. I don't speak Romanian, Hebrew, Russian. You know, it's that's the power that the internet used to have. Now the people that are in charge are trying to make sure that nobody ever has that power again. You're not going to have the power to be able to uh, ex- explain things dozens of languages instantly worldwide because that's a real threat to their power base. Well, the 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 set, I, I kicked off the show tonight talking about. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this while we still can. And, and I said, this is not hyperbole. The censorship that is going on right now, where we have we have big tech, we have Facebook and Twitter telling us what and we what we can read and what we can't read, what we can say, what we can't say. No doubt, this YouTube uh, this is being uh, streamed on my YouTube channel as well, live as the radio show goes out. No doubt the YouTube channel will be demonetized uh, because we mentioned COVID-19. And and who are these people, these gatekeepers? What is their background? Why, you know, what is their scientific expertise? Why did they get to tell us what we can hear and what we can't hear? That's really interesting because all of them are fronts for DARPA and DARPA stole the patents for um, the um, internet from leader technology. They had a problem not being able to get multiple uh, desktops to talk to each other at the same time, and so leader technology sat down and wrote 200,000 lines of code that solved the problem for uh, scalability in social media, and they applied for a patent, and the patent was stolen by uh, Serco, who is a group uh, that's run out of uh, the Privy Council in England, and they steal patents left and right. That was something that I was thinking we might get a chance to talk about, but they've stolen every patent that's worth a flip. They stole a dozen patents from the Wright brothers. They stole uh, the radio patents from Tesla and gave them to uh, Marconi so he could create uh, a fake RCA. They stole the patents from uh, Antonio Misi and gave them to Alexander Graham Bell so that he could uh, do the fake uh, AT&T monopoly. And all these monopolies were owned by Rockefeller, and Rockefeller was just a front for the Rothschilds. So it all goes back to that same little group of folks. Okay. But, uh, I want to get back to the uh, – the. Uh, oh, let me go to the phones, actually, first of yeah, all, because yeah, uh, we've got uh, Skip, Skip from Connecticut. Yeah, Skip, welcome. Uh, Joseph. I just want to say that it seems like there's other agendas other than the usual big farmer. Uh, are there groups that just want to extinguish people? And on the 5G, 5G rather, I've heard about birds just dropping down from the sky. Yeah. What would the what would that indicate? 
around well, the cell if, towers. Well, if you're flying between cell towers and you've got 42,000 Starlink uh, satellites beaming 5G down, you, you can be triangulated. Next thing you know, you're flying along and your hemoglobin has no ability to pick up oxygen and you fall out of the sky. Exactly what we were talking about. You overexcite the uh, oxygen molecules, and then your hemoglobin. And it doesn't matter whether you're a bird or a, a you know, a snake or a frog. You're, you're going to drop dead when you get that fatal dose of 5G. It's a death ray. It's an absolute absurd abuse of science for them to be doing this. Like I said, you could do DSL 5G all you wanted to, be perfectly safe. If you if you absolutely have to stream your Netflix two-hour video in five minutes, then go for it. But we don't need to be broadcasting that through the air uh, with what is obviously uh, issues. All right, Skip, thank you for that. Uh, on the YouTube yeah, chat, Nicholas you. writes, what radio frequencies are damaging and why? Is there anything that can be done to prevent exposure to these harmful frequencies? Well, we get natural radio frequencies from the uh, cosmos, and we also get them from our sun. You know, so you, the natural amount, and then you get a lot of radiological decay that gives you radiation too. So, you know, the problem is that we we live in a very hostile world that's completely indifferent to human life, and we've adapted to that, but we uh, we've abuse nature to the point where uh, it's we've got dangerous technologies that are not being uh, that we're not being protected you know so so what, what can be done he writes to prevent exposure to these let's talk about emf let's talk about the 60 megahertz range what can be done how can we sh can we shield ourselves from it uh you can use a faraday cage which is, you know, just like you have in your microwave oven. You've got that screen on your microwave oven where you can look through the, the screen door and see what's cooking inside. And theoretically, it's keeping the radiation inside that, that cell. When you're driving along in your car and you get struck by lightning, unless you're in a convertible and, and the cloth top doesn't do anything to, to slow down the lightning bolt, but in a normal automobile, or if you're in a jet airplane and you're flying along and you hit by lightning, you can see the lightning going up and down the wings of the plane, uh, and then it dissipates. You can see the lightning burn paint off the top of your car, but you're not shocked inside the car because you're in a Faraday cage. So anytime you have a, a, a metallic surrounding you can prevent uh, radio transmissions coming through the same way as you can prevent uh, electrical transmissions coming through. So that's the, the concept of a Faraday cage, and it can block radio signals, but you can't live your whole life in a metal cage. You know, that's the problem. Right. Okay, we're going to take another time out. We'll come back, take some more calls, go to the YouTube chat for more questions. Joseph Olson stays with us from Principia Scientific. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. 
for continuing to discuss the emerging science of magnetobiology, which examines the or considers the effects of the biological effects of electromagnetic fields on living organisms. And um, you mentioned lightning earlier, Joseph, which is kind of interesting because the article points out, you know, for people that are wondering about the the, the possible effects of electromagnetic fields, um, ask someone who has asthma how they feel during a lightning storm. It, it's in, in many cases, and I've been told by people who have asthma, during a lightning storm, their asthma is particularly bad. So there seems to be a connection there. Well, interesting that you should mention that. Uh, where does ozone come from? It's uh, O3. It, it comes from ionized oxygen molecules. Uh, principally, uh, it can come from solar radiation at the top of the atmosphere, but it also comes from lightning. And there's over 100 lightning strikes per second worldwide. So it's being constantly generated. Uh, ozone is in a tremendously good um, disinfectant. It's used in hospitals to sterilize things. Uh, it's been used as water uh, treatment in lieu of chlorine by Paris uh, since 1900, and used worldwide by over 200. I mean, over 2,000 uh, major cities. So there's an alternative to chlorine, which is is a known carcinogen. And uh, there's also uh, a, a good antibacterial and antiviral with ozone. And, and also UV light is a good treatment for, for uh, killing viruses and, uh, and microbes. So, Okay, Solar Warden, again, going back, to, going back to the YouTube uh, chat room, Solar Warden asks, just as 5G may harm, can other correct frequencies have healing properties? Uh, I, I would say in general, no, except for the ones that uh, uh, Raymond Rife isolated as being uh, anti-pathogen frequencies, where he had a whole list. He had like several hundred uh, pathogens that he could de destroy at discrete radio frequencies. So now we've had something that uh, came up repeatedly in this is what can we do to stop this? And uh, in my article, you have the right to try voodoo. I say that if you have a safe, low-cost, effective, preventative, and cure, then there should be no deaths, no fascist lockdown, no medieval social distancing, no face gagging masks, no gasoil contact tracing, no mandatory new vaccination, and no new normal. All Americans must sign this petition. Petition for over-the-counter use of HCQ for prevention and cure of coronavirus at petitionswhitehouse.gov. And if everybody would go there and sign that petition, we might be able to get this overturned. Interestingly enough, HCQ is available as an over-counter medicine in Mexico, Central and South America, all of Africa, and all of the Far East. It's not available in uh, Australia, New Zealand, United States, Canada, and Western Europe. So we're the ones that are suffering the brunt of not having HCQ as a, as a cheap preventative and cure, and we're the ones that are driving this cycle of destruction uh, through the uh, medical mafia. It's absolutely absurd. 
And uh, just to be clear now, when we're talking about the effectiveness and it's it's anecdotal, but anecdotal is, I mean, people are often so dismissive. Oh, that's anecdotal. No, anecdotal can be scientific as well, right? Well, yeah. Why do you need to have a blind, t- uh, blind taste test if you've got 100% cure rate? You know, that's completely absurd. You're giving somebody, you're giving a, a placebo group a, a defective uh, treatment protocol when you have something that's got a 99.9% cure rate and a 100% prevention rate. Now, this goes back to the, the subject of this article, the Right to Try Act. Uh, we had mentioned that uh, Laetrile uh, was used as a cancer treatment for um, 30 years in the United States until it was found out that it was actually dangerous and, and it wasn't curing anything. So there are other possible cures, and people wanted to think that there were and that they could do something. So in Colorado, they introduced the Right to Try Act in 2014. Well, they introduced it in Texas, and the medical mafia squashed it in 2015. They reintroduced it in 2017. They squashed it. Then in 2018, the U.S. Congress said, oh, we need to do the compassionate thing and allow people to use alternatives under these five conditions. Number one, the patient must be terminally ill and not responding to any treatment. Number two, the alternative treatment must be provided by an FDA-approved manufacturer. Number three, any treatment can only be applied by an FDA-approved physician. Number four, there can be no state criminal prosecution of the manufacturer or the physician. And number five, there must be indemnity from liability for the manufacturer and the physician. So basically, you have the right to try voodoo. You have the right to volunteer to be a human subject where they have complete control over the dosage and, and the uh, whatever they're giving you. And and they have complete indemnity, so if they have something that they know works, they can find out what the overdose load is for it, and they can make sure that it never comes on the market. They can go, well, this looks like it cures 100% of the time, so we won't let anybody use that. Oh, but if we give them twice as much as, as it takes to cure them, we can kill them? Oh, well, then we can say, look, we've tried it, and, and, and it proves that it's dangerous. Just like the study that he did with HCQ at the Veterans Administration, it's horrible, absolutely. And they weren't horrible. they weren't following the protocol uh, that Zelensky the, uh, offered up with the, zinc and azithromycin. That's correct. All of those studies, they were not following the protocol, uh, and they had to yeah. re, they had to re, they had to quietly retract the uh, the so called peer reviewed study from Lancet because the science was all wrong. Uh, and we again, we have the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, not a bunch of tinfoil ha- uh, hat-wearing nutters, saying no, it works. over 6,000 members. Exactly. All right. Uh, we'll take one final time out, come back with uh, Joseph Olson. Last call to the phones, 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740, toll-free from out of town, one 866 Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. And once again, the article from Principia Scientific uh, that was written by John O'Sullivan it can be found. You can either go to principia-scientific.org 
uh, and search for that article. But I posted the link directly to the article at strangeplanet.ca. Uh, and I just want to again, again, crib from the article one more time here before I go back to Joseph. Uh, at the top of this article, we mentioned mitochondria, and we need also to be mindful of the impact of electromagnetism on the mitochondria in our bodies. Artificial EMF causes structural damage to mitochondria. They cause swelling cavitation, and eventually the mitochondria begin to degenerate. This happens in as little as a few hours. Man-made EMF causes oxidation of the mitochondrial membrane and generates free radicals, which in turn causes oxidative stress on the body. Oxygen depletion then can trigger hypoxia and which can thus be conflated as a symptom, a symptom of the coronavirus. More mitochondrial DNA mutations lead to more defective mitochondria and more defective mitochondria means more defective cells. We thus should not be flippant in dismissing those who make the connection between COVID-19 and 5G. There is far more to this story, and we have so far only scratched the surface. All right. Um, let me go back to the uh, the YouTube live chat, and I think we have another question here. This is from you, Betcha. Uh, he says, Richard, ask Joseph about all these devices shoved in our pockets uh, Bluetooth headphones uh, on our heads, etc. And then he then he uh, says somewhat sarcastically, I suppose, am I better off living as a hermit in the middle of the woods? <laughs> so, uh, well, well, the the proliferation of, of Bluetooth uh, is just uh, incredible. Um, um, what say you to uh, to that? Well, first of all, uh, electromagnetic radiation is a function of the square of the distance. So the further you are from the antenna, the less, the, the significantly less uh, signal you're going to receive. So if you double the distance, you've got one-fourth the amount of uh, radiation, which is why they recommend using earphones and then setting your phone as far away from you as possible. Anytime you're carrying it in your pocket, you're just, just streaming yourself and particularly if it's if it's pocket, you're you're streaming your gonads, and so we are basically sterilizing our children in these schools full of Wi-Fi, and uh, we're we're sterilizing ourselves, and yeah, that's that's provable because you have a, a large uh, decrease in fertility rates worldwide that's based on this same type abuse of this technology, and then you also have head. Uh, Head uh, cancers, brain cancers that result from having a cell cell phone directly by your head, and the Wi-Fi is an even higher frequency than the cell phones operate at, which is absurd to take something that's already bad and carry it in your pocket, and then put something even worse in your ears, so it could go directly into into your cranium. It's absurd. Well, you know what's interesting, and I think. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Joseph. I want to do a real quick disclaimer. I'm not a virologist. What I am is a very serious uh, collegiate-level student of science and history for almost 50 years. And uh, I never intentionally tell a lie. I never intentionally try to distort anything for an agenda other than the traditional scientific method. This is the way scientific method works. This is the way I view all of the evidence that I have before me, and a large amount of evidence is not available for any of us, and that's the problem. 
We need to have an open society. And then, boy, if we did, imagine the Eden on Earth we could create if we used all of our human energy to make life better for everybody on this planet. Uh, it'd just be uh, unbelievable overnight. So I guess what's so I agreed. What is so distressing is that we are now experiencing a time when simply asking questions like we're doing tonight, uh, and that's all I'm doing. I'm asking questions. Could there be something to this? Maybe, perhaps, maybe not. But yeah. it seems to me that the authorities are so uh, dead set against anyone even asking questions or offering up an opposing narrative. And so they are firing physicians uh, who dare speak out. They are um, basically denigrating anyone who who does not sort of fall in line with the official narrative. And this is – talk about the un, you know unscientific. Um, well – uh, Dr. Yeah. Judy Makovich had had dozens of interviews on YouTube. They took all of them down. She put them up again on Bitch. And just uh, two days ago, Facebook said that we are not going to allow any Facebook postings that have links to anything on Bitch. So it's not just her. Any of the uh, alternatives that were forced off of YouTube that went to Bitch can now no longer promote their truth. On Facebook, you can't put a direct link. You might be able to get by with just a title and hope somebody could find it. But basically, they're trying to obstruct the free flow of information as much as possible because they don't want us educated. Ignorance is bliss or keep us as blissful as possible. It's it's cruel. I mean, this is... I don't know how we can draw a line. I'm ready for this to end. And, you know, if all we can do is sign a petition that says we want to have HCQ over the counter and that ends the, the pandemic that way, then that's fine. Let, you know, let's go for it. So, Well, here's the thing, though. If, in fact, HCQ is effective, and anecdotally, it certainly seems to be when followed with the proper protocol, and we're talking about 33 cents for the, uh, you know, for the anti-malarial uh, versus whatever um, here which which is forty three hundred dollars per per treatment cycle and it has a worse performance than the placebo so it they didn't beat the gave, placebo they did the blind taste they did the blind testing with it and the placebo turned out better than remdesivir and that's when their stock crashed <laughs> hmm. you know so um yeah I, just, I just final point out a, a watershed of human consciousness that enough doctors are going to wake up and push back because they're the front line. They're they're the ones that we need in this fight more than anyone as a medical professional. And if they fight back and say we're not going to let you do this to our patients and our profession, then then this could be turned around pretty quickly. Well, a few of them have tried, and they get fired for speaking out. And I have a, um, well, an acquaintance. Can only go on for so long, you know. Right. I have a, an acquaintance, and I hear this stuff all the time. But I have an acquaintance. He's going down to uh, to Philadelphia for some surgery, uh, and um, he asked them about you know um, whether they've had any COVID nineteen cases. And they said at their clinic, and they rhymed off the statistics of how many patients they've had. And they said they have not had one incident. And and uh, they told them that the, the the physicians at this clinic they're all taking hydro- hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic. And uh, we're right. told, you know, that there are thousands and thousands of nurses and doctors throughout the United States uh, taking it as a prophylactic, 
uh, and yet it's being denied to uh, the rest of us. Yeah. Well, one of the consequences of this, the Texas AMA puts out a, a daily newsletter, and one of their uh, newsletter um, titles was Private Practice Clinics Suffer suffer 50% reduction in patients and revenues. So here you have a group, the Texas uh, Medical Association, that's supposed to represent doctors that's going on and on about not using HCQ, and then they're saying private clinics suffer 50% reduction in patients and revenue. Well, this is what my response to that was. If you like your doctor, you can keep your artificial intelligence virtual reality version of your doctor. And sure enough, now they're saying, well, maybe we you know, aren't going to be able to provide the a number of doctors that we need, and you're going to end up having to have a robot doctor. Get used to it. Robot doctors will always give you the answer that we want you to get. That's how absurd this is. They are, is. are constantly destroying the medical profession, so they can replace them with robots that will be AI-directed to never give you the diagnosis that the uh, AMA and the CDC and the FDA want to give you. This Joseph, very quickly, give us the uh, the the um, uh, the website again if people want to sign the uh, petition. Oh, yes. That's um, petitionswhitehouse.gov. And it's to make uh, over-the-counter use of HCQ. I'll read it exactly. See if I can find it again <laughs> real quick. Well, we're out of time, but people will have to, to log on there and, and yeah. find it. Petition, petition for over-the-counter use of HCQ for prevention and cure of coronavirus. If you go to petitions.whitehouse.gov, you will find uh, a list of petitions that you can find. And this is just one of them. And uh, they will send you an email to verify your signature, and then you confirm on the email. It's a real simple Joseph? process. Okay. Joseph, great yeah, information tonight. Show. Thank I you. I really enjoyed it. Well, we'll do it again. And again, uh, the, uh, the website is principia-scientific.org. The article is also posted at strangeplanet.ca, and uh, the book is Slaying the Sky Dragon, Death of the Greenhouse Gas Theory. I'll have you back on. We'll talk about that exclusively. Thank you so much. Oh, bless you. Thanks. All right. Back next week with the brand-new program, Ezra Levant on the China virus, and uh, Patty Greer, Crop Circles and Carbon 60, the Miracle Molecule. Until then, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.